with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you, like, how to take down the other fan holes should we, like, go crazy. How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us, because we don't explain it. Hey, guys! Welcome back to another radical, totally awesome, spectacular episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your teenage ninja mutant hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined by two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and are you a punker? Uh, I hate punkers. Hey, this is Justin Bossa Nova. Yeah, so... Um, Excellent. So uh, you got to know what a cricket is to know what a crumpet is. So yeah, yeah, we're we're here tonight because it is oh my god the thirtieth anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie, and as is Justin's want, he wanted to celebrate the anniversary by having us get together and discuss it on a podcast. So here we are. We're we're here to discuss Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So this is this is a 1990 film. Um, I mean, you know, for me, I'm, I'm ancient and elderly. I saw it in the theater. I I, I got super excited and, and, and convinced and twisted uh, parental's arms to to bring us on opening night and all that kind of good stuff. I saw it with some good friends and and parents and things like that. I I remember kind of like that anticipation of going to see it and that that kind of shock of what kind of movie it was exactly like I, I i don't know what we were expecting exactly because i think i i think this was in a period where the animated cartoon had been on for a little while and there was a certain expectation based on that but you also had the comics which were really kind of for their time you know gritty and and kind of you know, urban and 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 really kind of, you know, a, a little more edgy than than the cartoon, shall we say? And I, I think this film kind of, you know, went a little bit more with some of the the comic stuff, you know, some of the edgier stuff. And 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 I think I remember being both impressed and shocked and awed and and kind of impressed that 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 was something that they decided to go with and 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 how how faithful it was to the source material. I I remember when I, I know uh, Paul Spataro asked uh, a bunch of people to um, send him, you know, their favorite, you know, top 10 
comic book movies because they were going to discuss those, you know, based on how, like, I guess, depending on where you ranked it in a top 10, he put together some kind of list of, you know, based on points and they discussed a whole slew of films. I remember, you know, this film, and I, I think it continues to be one of my favorite comic book movies because of all those reasons that I described. But I, you know, I don't know. This, this is something I didn't necessarily prepare for. Like I, I kind of, I've seen the movie a number of times and I did rewatch it before we got together to discuss it tonight. And uh, I, I guess the, the, the main thing that this gave me an impetus to do is I, I kind of was like, Hmm, I wonder like, you know, are there, are there 4k versions of this movie? Like how, how how up to date is this movie in the current you know populace or whatever? And so when I looked online, there was a set of it was the the first three live action movies, also packaged with the TMNT uh, CGI movie from two thousand seven, and that was like a a you know four disc movie set, and they were all on Blu Ray. So I ended up getting that. And, and, you know, maybe to replace my DVDs or whatever, because I just thought to myself, I don't remember if the DVDs I had were letterbox or if they were they were anamorphic or whatever. And at this point, I was just like, you know, I wonder if there's something new out there. And I'm, I'm glad I did, because because I mean, it looked really nice on the Blu-ray. It was it was a lot of fun to watch again. I was kind of like how I describe a lot of movies that I enjoy from the 80s, you know, like like Blade Runner or. Tron or Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Like, th- this is one of those movies I felt like I put it on and I, I still laughed in all the funny bits and I, I still got into all the, the serious bits and, and heavy emotional bits and I still kind of got into all the, the fight sequences and, and flashbacks and stuff like that. So I, I don't think you're going to get too much out of me in terms of negativity on this movie like I, I have a lot of positivity for this movie i have a lot of love for it and uh, you know I, i'm happy that justin you know wanted to discuss it and everything and you know hopefully you know one, one of these days I'll, I'll get to do it on history of comics on film and and it'll be a nice little video because i, I do really really enjoy this film yeah, this this movie is absolutely one of my favorite comic book movies too. And this like I I have a level of nostalgia for this movie like that you guys had for like Batman like 89 like which I like you know and when we did that episode I said I didn't have like a lot of nostalgia for that movie, but this one I do. And like I I this might have been my first like big boy movie like I saw in theaters. Like I think I was like 5 or 6 at the time. And like, like I have vivid memories of, uh, like I, I was friends with like these two kids from like down the street and like we had spent like the whole afternoon like playing together and then their father came to pick them up and he was like, Hey, I'm going to take like the kids to see Ninja Turtles tonight. Like you want to come? And like, I practically had to like look at my parents and be like, please, please, please. Can we please like go? And like, they were like, well, okay. And like uh, we like the the theater was only down the street, so we all like walked there, and you know we saw it. Like I, I didn't, you know, when when I first saw Transformers the movie, I I couldn't watch it all. I started crying and left, but I I stayed the whole way through for Ninja Turtles, even though it was probably like you said, Derek, it was probably a little darker than everyone was expecting. But yeah, like I I mean. 
I don't it's I don't think I have this movie completely like committed to memory like I do with like Transformers. But like I, I do like I didn't even rewatch it this week. Like I just know this movie like that well that I can just kind of, you know, call up stuff from memory. And like I have a very vivid recollection of it. Jose and, Canseco, uh, you paid good <laughs> money for this bet? <laughs> Uh, yeah but like yeah i really do love this movie and i think this is like i said if if i had an equivalency to you guys like this was like my batman like 89 like type movie yeah this movie was a big deal for me too because like i was a huge huge turtles fan i remember looking at the um the paper like every week you know hoping that it would come to the theater the local theater and when it finally did i got all excited and like i I will never forget going to see this movie. Like when I'm 80 years old and the only other thing I can remember is like random Star Trek trivia. No one cares about like I will still remember going to this movie. <laughs> OK, so um, I went with a buddy of mine and we let me think. So we went to church together, too. And then after church, I went home with him. We went to his grandmother's house and like had a nice Sunday dinner. And then in the bathroom, there was like this soap dispenser. It had like some kind of adjustable nozzle and you could kind of like turn it instead of squirting down into your hands, you could kind of turn it up. And if you like hit it at a certain angle, it would shoot soap out. We discovered, I don't know how we discovered this. So we were like shooting soap at each other. We did this like before, you know, we had dinner and then we were getting ready to leave. And I was like, let's go back to the bathroom and shoot soap at each other. And I, Opened the door and immediately fell down a flight of stairs because, like, the bathroom door was right beside the basement door. And I just I just thought I was going into the bathroom and I just blindly took a step and immediately, like, fell and rolled down a flight of stairs. My friend's parents were kind of freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, let's go see the movie. And they're like, um, <laughs> no, we should take you to your parents first. And I was like, well. And if we do that, we're we're going to be late. Like, I can't miss this movie. Like, this is Ninja Turtles. Like, I can't miss it. And no matter how hard I tried to argue, like, they were insistent. So we, like, turned around, came to my parents, and they explained what happened. And then I explained what happened. And then I just remember, like, me and my buddy, we were sitting on the front porch looking at, like, a Kmart ad. And there were, like, Ninja Turtles action figures advertised in that. And it was, like, tantalizing us. We were like, come on, let's go. Like, I'm okay. Like, you know, I'm not... Nothing's broke. I'm fine. Like, I, we got to go see this movie. Like, we were, like, we were, you know, insistent on going. So, finally, we get to go. And we got there late. I think the scene we came in was, like, right when Raphael was, like, he had already saved April, but he was, like, peering up from the sewer lid. And he's, like, oh, man, damn. Like, that's right where we come in. And if you've ever come in late to a movie and, like, the house was not only packed, but, like, you, you can feel everyone turning around and looking at you because you're letting the light in and you're disturbing everyone. Like, that was the first time I ever experienced that. felt like everyone was suddenly looking at us and they were angry. And the house was almost sold out. Like, I, it, it's a miracle we managed to find, like, four seats, like, together. But we sat there and watched the whole movie. And then kind of like Derek was saying, I mean, we were super excited to see this movie, but... I don't think we understood like what we were going to see because I mean, this is not, it's not really anything like the cartoon, but it has a lot of like comedic elements. I feel like are borrowed from the cartoon, like the fight scene at the, you know, at April's apartment slash antique store. Like, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. And it's a, it's a fun fight scene, but it's full of like, 
it's full of goofy stuff that shouldn't work, but kind of like Derek said, it like it still makes me laugh. Like, like Derek, you'll you'll get this. There's no you're a dick yellow tights joke. Yes, it's like I still yes. laugh. This. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, oh, fellow Chucker. Yeah, yeah, and the symbols and Donatello squirting water at the yeah. guy. And like, oh, that shit. <laughs> like, still, still crazy. It's still, up, yeah, it's still funny. It's not like like none of, none of the stuff. Like when you when you when you watch this movie by yourself, you are your own laugh track. And, and it works. Whereas I, I feel like there are other movies that you come back to like years later and, and it's like the you're a dick and then it's like fucking crickets because you're like, oh, that wasn't even that funny the first time and now I'm just kind of like grumpy about it, you know? But, but this movie, I think there were, there were so many things. You know what else too? I, I just have to say because I feel like an old fuck. Um, watching this now, my, my only revision to, to watching it, especially when I was younger, is now I'm like, God damn, Splinter makes a whole lot of sense. Why 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 does everything Splinter say resonate with me? Where where he's like sitting there going, you know, Ra- Raphael's like, damn, I could go get the side back. I could get it. And Splinter's just like, it is gone. That is fine. You, you know, do not fret about it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And all I can do is like hear my dad, you know, kind of being like, dude, it's fine. It's okay. Like, you know, you can get another side, you know, it's gone, then it's gone, you know, and I'm just like, why does, I'm like, damn, Splinter makes so much sense now, and that's because I'm an old fuck, but that's fine. Like, so I, and, and, and I dig all those scenes, too, like, beyond the, the scenes that make you laugh, I think, you know, that that's something that I think, you know, I mean, people can throw stones at it and shit, but, you know, the whole Jim Henson aspect to this, the whole animatronic suits and, and the way splinter is portrayed and everything i mean you, you you know the combination of things it's like that whole thing where you know star wars could have fallen apart without the john williams music and without the the, the right combination of elements and everything I, I feel like that's true of this movie too because if you took the score out of the scene when splinter talks to Raphael about like you know, I've tried to talk to you, my son, and channel your anger, and, you know, you will have your brothers, and you will have me, you know, and all that kind of shit, and, like, that's, that could easily be something that somebody could just, like, laugh at, but it's not, like, you take it seriously, like, when he puts his little rat paw on his head, and, and Raphael's got the tears and everything, like, you you understand, like, it's communicated effectively. And to me, I, I've never not taken that scene seriously. So I guess all I'm saying is just as much as the the funny shit resonates and is still funny today, I think all the emotional moments still resonate and, and are just as effective as they were when I first saw the film. Definitely. Like, all the, all the stuff with, like, Splinter and, like, you know, when they do the, like, kind of seance or whatever to, like, talk to him or whatever. Like, all that stuff is really, like, I think, touching. And, like, there are, there like Justin said, like, there are, there are like, multiple jokes in this or scenes that just make me laugh, like, no matter how many times I see them. And, like, one, like, and a lot of them involve Casey Jones, and like one of them is when he's uh, sitting on the rickety like chair and eating the apple and the chair just collapses like that. That, that makes me laugh every time um, when him and Donatello are fixing the truck in the barn and they're insulting each other like that makes me laugh like every time. And like, I think my absolute like favorite, like I always bust a gut moment in this movie is um when they, they go back to the, the lair 
and they find the the pizza with the penicillin on it. Like you like penicillin on your pizza, <laughs> and Donnie and Mikey like do the dan 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 like they lay the pizza to rest. Like like that makes me like like lose my shit. Like every yeah. time I watch, there were jokes in this that I didn't get as a kid. And then when I got older, I like I understood it. Like when they called uh, Casey Jones a claustrophobic, and he's like, "Hey, I never even looked at another guy." Like when I got, you know, when you get older, you're like, "Oh, I get that joke now. I understand that." And then like Casey and April's like flirtatious bickering back and forth. Like as a kid, all I knew was like, "Oh, you know, that's what that's what adults do. Like they argue and then they kiss." But like when you get when you're older, you're like, "Oh, okay, I see." I see what's going on here. Like this, this makes sense now. I I feel like I, I also feel like the age thing catches up to me because it, basically when I would study Shakespeare, you would have certain you know there there'd be folio books and there'd be like reference books and things like that and annotated works and everything. And a lot of the times you'd have footnotes to things. And so you know Shakespeare would make reference to Greek gods and and all these other stories, right? Just like we have today. I mean, it was supposed to be work for the common man so he'd make references to things that the common man going to see the show would understand basically so if he talked about zeus or whoever like they would know what he was talking about but here there's a lot of that and and the reason why i feel old is for the most part i was going to ask justin about one thing because I, I had this thought i was like what the fuck is that but otherwise the, the majority of it, I was kind of like, I don't need any footnotes for this. Like, I, you know, speaking of the bickering, like, I, I know what Moonlighting is. I know what the reference is. I know, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like dude, would, would people today get, you know, it's like, okay, so, so you know, Mikey does all his impressions, you know, he does the Cagney, he does the, 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 the you know, Rocky Balboa, you know, like he does all these kind of impressions and everything like that, you know. So, so there, there's that aspect to the the references that are going on and and the jokes and everything. And you know what I just said before, Jose Canseco. Like for me and and the audience I was seeing it with, like that was that was a reference that resonated even more heavily than it would with anybody else at the time, you know, because the, the A's, you know, the Oakland A's, like, we, we lived here, you know, like, we knew who Jose Canseco was. So there were there were all these things, like, I could go down the list of all the, the different references and stuff like that. The, the one thing I was going to ask, though, is, and this is something that is, is an added element, like, like uh, the majority of this film, I think, is, is heavily faithful to the Eastman and Laird source material and and you know they incorporate like justin said you know maybe some of the the wacky fights and 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 kind of fun that they have with with the the comedy and humor like and and of course the different colored bandanas the fact that like say april wears a yellow raincoat at the beginning they they tried to pull things that were familiar aesthetics from the cartoons that everybody had been watching but Really, in reality, what they did was they kind of Frankenstein together into this movie. You know, uh, the 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 initial first issue where they fight the Shredder, and then the the whole you know, I guess the the issues where the the foot attack like around issue ten and everything, and they drive them out of New York, and then they 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 kind of use the return to New York arc, but kind of merge that back with the end fight in the first issue, and you know they they kind of you know they Frankenstein it all together, and it makes this you know to me very entertaining film and everything. But but one of the things that's not part of those 
original stories and was used as a framing device is, I, I guess you could call him like the, the kitty pride of the, the film, but there's, there's, you know, the, the story in the film is that all these young men are going out and stealing things. And, and, you know, that is tied to the foot clan and, and there's this big epidemic going on and everything. And one of the kids is April's boss's son named Danny. And so he is, basically involved in all this, you know, shenanigans, right? And he's the character that has the arc, right? Because he starts out being very sort of petulant and and uh, maybe uh, unaffected, you know, like he, he's not concerned with, with April O'Neil, he's not concerned with his father and, and all this other kind of stuff, but he's enticed and attracted to the I guess the, the gangland, you know, the, the kind of ostentatious lifestyle that the Foot Clan offers. And then, you know, he gets embroiled in that. And, and, but then, you know, seeing, you know, Splinter gets captured and he talks to Splinter and, and, and kind of meets the turtles and all this other stuff. And so there's this kind of, you know, he, he has his own arc where eventually he, he's a kid who gets turned, you know, he, he comes around. And is actually comes out the other side like a pretty good kid and is not, you know, completely lost to this this kind of evil, I guess, or whatever. And like that's something that I think was necessary for the film because it gave a good outlet. Like there were reasons why Splinter got to tell flashbacks and, and stories and there was a person he was telling it to. And he was supposed to be the the audience especially the primary audience right this i mean he probably was the age of you guys when you were watching it and maybe i was a little older than him but but you know we were all pretty close to that age range i think and and so it, it was like splinter was talking to you and splinter was turning you around and 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 potentially maybe you were attracted to the lifestyle that the foot clan had that there were all these dumb kids smoking cigars and listening to rap music and playing video games and all this other dumb shit, right? And skateboarding or whatever. But by the end of it, it's like, oh, well, you know, I guess, I guess that like that untold last chapter of Clockwork Orange, you know, some, sometimes you have to grow the fuck up and stop being a fucking moron. Right. And so, so that's, that's part of his arc or whatever. And I, I, I think, you know, in some sense, I think, you know, some people might point to it and kind of go, oh, well, that's not from the comics or that, you know, whatever, like this is just a, a, a something that was added on to the story structure. But I, I think it works in terms of the film, you know, and then the, the other thing that was kind of weird for me, and this is just a random personal note, but that, that kid reminds me of a friend I used to have, through grade school and high school and everything. And then at some point I met him again when I was in LA because he sort of became a musician and surfer and this and that and the other thing. And like, he looked totally different by then. But at the time, like when this came out, like I, I just think of that kid because I was like, I was like, oh, he looks just like that guy. Like to me, like, like the, the kind of vibe he had or whatever, you know? So I don't know. Anyway, it was just kind of a random thought, but he totally reminded me of uh, uh, a friend that I went to, uh, uh, you know, like grade school and high school with too, as well. So maybe, maybe that's my own personal connection to it. But I, I just thought I'd mention that as something that I think worked within the context of the film and, and helped, you know, it helped to tell those. It's it's like, I, I think for me, like, I, I didn't think they would go that far. Like, I really thought they were going to go with the, like, even the cartoon was too ashamed to have, like, the cartoon had Hamada Yoshi mutate into a rat. Like, cause they were so ashamed of the, the notion that a rat was going to learn 
martial arts from a cage. But this movie was like, no, fuck you, bro. Like, hold my beer. Like, we're, we're having this little rat, like, learn how to do kung fu. And they did the whole nine yards. And, like, when I saw that, like, it was just like, you know, my respect level shot through the roof. Because it was just like, dude, this is... This is, you know, I mean, you, you can argue some stuff. I'm sure if I was going to get all nitpicky, I'd say, like, oh, it's supposed to be Leo who gets his ass kicked and dropped through the skylight and rah, 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 and all, you know, this kind of constant, you know, Batman's better than Superman, Iron Man's better than Cap kind of nonsense that's been foistered upon us since the dawn of time. But, like, outside of that, the, the beats of this story and, and, and the, the, the retellings and, and the, the flashback sequences and the the way they they told the origin was just so to me. I mean, I've always been very enamored with seeing the comic brought to the screen in a faithful and a, a way that you know you could point to somebody and say, "I like reading Ninja Turtle comics." Watch this movie, and even if you never want to read a comic book for your entire life, you'll have somewhat of an idea of what I appreciate about those comics because they've managed to capture the the essence of that on film there's a narrative device in this film i really like and it's like whenever someone is like telling you the story in flashback they'll cut to like splinter or michelangelo and it's just them in a black background and i like i really like that i think that really works for this film yeah it kind of feels like like mythological almost like yeah kind of or almost even like a play or yeah. something like an ancient yeah, yeah. like Japanese like play or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't like I can't remember if I like caught into the disparity of like Hamato Yoshi's like uh uh origin when I was a kid. Mm. Like I, I don't think it was ever a big deal to me. Like a you know like you know the car I mostly knew the cartoon but like I eventually read some comics and obviously I saw this movie so I don't think maybe it was just like too similar to me that I didn't make the distinction but yeah I think I think I was old enough by that point that like that distinction hit really hard and and home for me and I think most other stuff I took at face value like I don't I don't think it was until later when I was like ranting and raving about, you know, Batman on the Justice League cartoon that I noticed that Leo was not the one who fell through the sky. You know, basically I was like, wait a minute, Leonardo, yeah, like that special, me later. like that, that, that I think yeah. like was not something I noticed uh, when I first watched this. And it's just something that I notice as an adult and, and, and kind of like, you know, I'm in my little, you know, angry old man, get off my lawn mode or whatever. But, but, that doesn't affect my enjoyment of the film. Like I, in some ways for the narrative of the film, I kind of understand why they did that the way they did it. But you know, it's funny though, too, because it's like that weird thing where, you know, you are a comic nerd. If you, if you listen to turtle power, the rap song, and you have that moment where, you know, the lyrics, which is, you know, and they talk about Raphael's the leader and you're like, well, that's the lyric, but you're like, dude, you're wrong. Like Raphael's not the leader, <laughs> you know? And you're sitting there going, um, excuse me, Mr. Ratman, sir, but Raphael is not the leader of turtle. Thank you. But, but that's still a cool song one way or the other. Like I, I remember liking the soundtrack for this, or at least I, I, I own the soundtrack for it at, at any rate. I, I've never been a fan of rap. So like, I remember when the movie ended and that song came up, I was just like, can we go now? <laughs> like, I want to leave. 
I thought it was funny how like some some of those things like in the, even in the movie there are those references to the songs in the soundtrack like you could tell it was a very you know it was one of those old kind of you know Hollywood assembled soundtrack things and they knew songs were going to be in it ahead of time so much so that like that like at the end when Casey's kissing April you know Donatello's like dude 9.95 man you know and it's like that's the fucking song in one of the soundtrack albums you know like so it's like that that kind of stuff I thought was funny you know what this movie made me think of when I was rewatching it yesterday is um so Corey Feldman is the voice of Donatello I was sitting there thinking about him and I was like I had like a flashback to like you remember when like famous people or characters had their own phone line you could call mm. and like there was one for like Corey Feldman and I suddenly had a flashback of like seeing that and then there was one for the Ninja Turtles too and I remember when they advertised it you know un- unless this is a Tony moment and I'm like assembling things like that don't really exist together. I'm pretty sure they used like footage from the movie to advertise. Oh, wait, like, no, no, you know, I re- the turtles phone. I line. bet you could look that up on YouTube, but that sounds that sounds way familiar to me. So like, like I I remember like you know I mean even Freddy Krueger had his own yeah, phone yeah, line. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. why would you want to call that? Like, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, you. Tell you, like but- the Ninja Turtle one. Like I wanted to call it, and I remember asking, like, I want to call. Can I talk to a turtle? And they're like, No, we're supposed to money. It's a ripoff. <laughs> you can't talk to no damn turtle. Kind of. Yeah. It made me. It made me think of that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa was obsessed with that Corey oh, line yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, here are some words that rhyme with Corey: story, <laughs> glory, allegory. <laughs> The original soundtrack album to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is excellent. Now hear these radical tunes on your telephone. Dial 1-900-860-9000 and boogaloo to the turtle tunes. Pick up your phones and hear sounds that'll shake your bones. The original soundtrack album. So get up off your shelves and dial 1-900-860-9000. $2 the first minute, $1 each additional. Call is under 18. Get your parents' permission. Call on, dudes. It's almost as cool as pizza. You know what I had the thought of when I was rewatching this is how great and and how what's the right word how reverent they are when when Shredder is on screen and when he enters a room and all this other stuff like I was just like I I feel like like for all these people that tried and failed to bring Doctor Doom to the screen it's like you want to just like 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 you're shoving somebody's nose in shit, but you shove their nose in those scenes in the film and just be like, look, dipshits, like, look, look at, look at how this works. Like, look, like, like they weren't embarrassed that he was a dude in a Ginsu costume. Like they made fun of it. But when he showed up on screen, the music was there, the, the, the lighting and the way he shined and shimmered and the way all these like kids and, and, and ninjas, they all fucking stopped what they were doing. Like, it's like they all, you know, they were all doing dipshit, stupid things. They were gambling, they were drinking, they were smoking, they were playing video games. They were doing all this shit. But when the fucking shredder bell rings, all these fucking guys stood at attention and, and they were just like, okay, like, you know, and he's like, he's like, I am your father. You know, shit like that. You're just like, I don't know, like, like to me, I'm just kind of like, man, it's like, if they could get Dr. Doom as right as they got Shredder in this movie, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess that's me trying to pay this movie a compliment on, on how, how right I thought they got Shredder in this movie. 
Yeah, I love that fight scene. I love how when he enters, the scene is just, it's kind of like in slow motion, and all you see is like his feet and then his legs going down. Like, that's like that's such a huge entrance, and you're like, holy crap, like, I mean, the movie was so fun up to this point. Like, I, w- I hadn't even thought about the Turtles fighting Shredder. I was just like, oh, man, it's going to go down. Like, they're going to fight him. And then they fight him, and they get their butts kicked. Like, Leonardo's the only one who even, like, manages to, like, score a yeah, hit. Yeah, he, he's, he's then, the only one who manages to lay, lay a, a, a cut on him. And then you talk about those lines that still make you laugh to this day. I, I like that part where they're all, like, they're they're doing the huddle, and they're, they're panting and shit because they're exhausted from fighting this guy. <laughs> and he's like, well, when did we exactly lose control of this situation? <laughs> you know, like, did somebody tell him, like, we're the good guys? Like, come on. Like, you know, and it's like, I love, I love all that shit. Yeah, like I, you know, you mentioned it before, but man, like the Jim Henson like Muppet work is like amazing in this movie. Like, I mean, you can you can look at it like you know nowadays and say, like, oh well, Splinter can't really like move like that much, but like it's still like you know it does not blunt the effect of those like scenes with him that we were talking about, like the touching scenes or even you know the rat kung fu scenes or whatever. Like, yeah, I think yeah. it's it was all like I, as a kid I took. It all deadly seriously, and as an adult, I still take it seriously. So this is the best the turtles ever looked to me on the yeah, big screen. Like yeah. in the second film, they kind of tweaked it. The third film, the suits look terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm one of those who like, you know, whereas I will defend Ghostbusters two. Like, I'm not going to take up for Ninja Turtles three. Like, I'm not that crazy. Those suits don't look that good. And then the you know the Michael Bay produced movies, like those are all CGI whatever they are like there's another discussion but like the turtles look their best in this movie yeah like that's the hill i'll die on. yeah no i i mean that's that's true i was just gonna say quickly like another line along those lines that that makes me laugh every time is uh what the hell was that look kind of like a toitle in a trench coat <laughs> so you're going to La- laguardia you're going to laguardia or what um so they, the the other thing I was going to say is though, like the the only defense I'm going to give Turtles three suits is all you have to do is watch Next Mutation and those are like absolute the okay. pits, right? Like like <laughs> like if if you're going to have categories and, and ratings and shit, you know. But but yeah, like the uh, the the these, I mean, you know. I, let's just say my feelings on the sequels are, are not altogether that different from my feelings on Ghostbusters 2, but this movie is, is this first movie is top notch and, and I, I, I will brook no, no insults or, or derogatory, uh, you know, kind of statements made towards it because I, I, I think it's great. I, I think I still, Whenever, like, I think I still, like, default to, like, Casey Jones's delivery whenever I have to say, like, oops in a sarcastic way. Like, I'm always like, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Never call golf a dull game again. And see that, that, like, that that was, I think that might have been a part that, like, stuck with me as a kid where... You know, the, the, the cartoon, it's like they'd beat Shredder and, like, you know, he'd, he'd retreat and come back another day. But, like, I was like, oh, man, like, he killed, like, Shredder's gone. Like, I mean, and, you know, you watch Secret of the Ooze and, you know, he's he's magically back. But, you know, I, there's no uh, I, I, there's no sympathy, like, in this one. I, I like that scene where Casey's about to face off Tatsu and they have the grunt off. Because Tatsu's like, oh. and Casey's like, oh, oh. and Tatsu's like, oh. that, that's that, you, you, <laughs> there's something there's something else that I I had no concept of as a kid, but watching this now that I'm a little more familiar with uh, 
Japanese curse words. Like I noticed the point where he's all that when when he when he oh, fails yeah, that yeah. first time and fails to bring back the turtles and like Shredder gives him the fucking third degree and then like he's sitting there going so like you yeah. know and I was like oh now I know what that means he's cursing yeah. and like you know at the time and then he's you know beating the shit out of all of his students and stuff but yeah and that that guy was great I mean he was a yeah. great like like you know lieutenant type guy and everything and and he had the perfect demeanor like that and and it's perfectly set up like the 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 moment when all those i keep coming back to all the shitty gang kids but all these shitty little gang kids coming in and playing their fucking things and smoking and doing all this other stuff and there's that great moment where the kid's running through and he bumps into tatsu and 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 the kid's like oh shit i totally fucked up like he's gonna kill me and he's like go Play. And he fucking motions <laughs> yeah. with his hands and shit. It's just it's fucking perfect, you know. Like like yeah. he's so good in that. And see, that's the thing. Like like I might sit here and make fun of fucking um uh what's his nuts from fucking Godzilla and shit. Rachel Gould, Ken Watanabe, because I'm like sitting there going like, oh, they're trying to have him do much more than he can do sometimes, or he's doing all this phonetic shit, and I just, I, it, it just, I, I have no believability for it. But this guy, like, I do. Do you know what I mean? Like he he did what he needed to do, and it was completely and utterly believable. So I and 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 I had no problem with it. And then, then the same thing, you know, the guy they play, they got to play Shredder was was great. Like you know, so it's just like the, those those aspects, you know, like and I, I I like how you know they 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 had that you know relationship with those two guys, and and, it, and to me it was like okay, he's he, you know he, he he loses his crap. You know, like you see the cracks in in the the I don't know the veneer in the mirror or whatever. Like once once things you know are not working out and everything, you know, and then that's that's why you know that that's why they're able to turn a, a kid like Danny around, right? Because they, you know you see what happens. And then speaking of this, because I don't want to forget to ask it, so I, I said I'm pretty much familiar with like every single pop culture thing that gets mentioned in this in this movie the one thing i was thinking about and and i just i don't know what the answer is and and justin may or may not know but like danny wears a shirt in this and i'm like is that like i'm like is that some south american guy i don't know or some like reggae musician that i don't know or something like i don't I don't know who he was wearing a shirt of, but I feel like he was wearing a shirt of somebody famous. Like it was one of those like tie dye shirts, and there was like a guy oh, on it. Isn't isn't that like Sid Vicious? Is it Sid Vicious? Okay, see, I I I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. like like so that that's why I was asking because that was the one thing I looked at and was like, who's that? I I'm like I know that's supposed to be somebody, but I wasn't sure who it was supposed to be. So if that's the case, then that would make sense too because they're you know they're they're you know, supposed to be punks, right? So they, they would idolize Sid Vicious too, right? Like, so. I think it's funny. Like, I think I mentioned it when we did one of our other, like, Turtles casts. But, like, after I had read some of the comics, like, I, I, I suffered that, like, disparity that you did, Derek, where I was kind of like, what? Leonardo's the one who's supposed to get beaten up. Like, like even, like, you know, it, it would, you would think that I would be like, oh, Leonardo doesn't get beaten up. That's good. But I was kind of like, wait a minute, like. He you didn't know, get his spotlight time. Like that—that that brings up something I kind of wanted to touch on, and Derek already mentioned it. You know, like Raphael is not the leader. Like when I was a kid, I was one of those guys. Like I loved Raphael. I wanted him to be the leader. So like Raphael having all those like cool moments and stuff. Like for me as a kid, that was great. When I became older, like I mean, I still like Raphael, but not 
you know, not so much. Like, I'd rather they give Leonardo his due. So, like, if I have one criticism about this movie is, like, Leonardo comes across as really wimpy at times. Like, especially that scene, like, April has just did her little broadcast about the Foot Clan and all this stuff. And, like, she comes home and everything about Leonardo's body language, it's so, like, wimpy and submissive like he's he's even ringing ringing his hands as he say so if you heard anything i'm just like dude like you're leonardo like why, why are you like being so wimpy and wringing your hands and all this stuff just ask her like yo baby you heard anything or or whatever what like that leonardo being kind of wimpy in this movie is like one of the only negative things i can think of I mean, I, I guess you could point to things like the way he gets them all together, you know, the, 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 to do the seance, you know, and, and, and to, he's the one that has the, you know, I guess, spiritual temperament to contact Splinter or, or sense him in the first place, right? So there's, there's a lot of good things that they do with him at that point. And, and, and even he's the one who's like, okay, we're going back. You know, like, so, so there's, there, there's those aspects to it, you know, that, that highlight his abilities or, or that temperament of his character. But like you said, there, there, there is that weird, it's something that Mike calls like, what, what do you call it? Like where it's like, they're still trying to figure shit out type thing or whatever, you know, like, like, and well, they, they call it early installment weirdness. Yeah. Early installment weirdness. Like I, I think, I think if I, if I was going to, if I was going to categorize what you're just, you know, what you're criticizing in Leo, I would probably just try to write it off as early installment weirdness because they're setting up these characters and they all seem to have, like, they're all a little more quirkier than they were. Yeah, it's interesting because the, like, I mean, if you think about it, right, you mentioned Turtles 2, you mentioned Turtles 3, we talked about Next Mutation, there are other later animated incarnations of the turtles and we're talking about the the main you know the one that ran for 10 years the 10 years or whatever like outside of this movie the only thing i can think of that ever really tried to cover like really really tried to cover the eastman laird turtles is that turtles forever thing where they had like the black and white guys and the guys that were like all yeah. kind of hardcore and being like yeah we're tough and then the black and white guys show up and they're like you guys are all wimps. We're the turtles. <laughs> you know, it's like those two sets of turtles, like th- those are the closest it came to being like right off the page. But I mean, outside of that, this movie, and when you talk about live action, there's no contest. Like this movie is the one, right? Like that, that as, as faithfully as they possibly could get to those characters. So I'm, I'm, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, there's a little, there, there, there are some, weird cracks to it because you know you've got you've got that aspect where they wanted to they wanted to hone in and bring in kind of the like you said like the goofy humor aspect to it that was that was attractive to kids with the cartoon you know the the way that the i guess it's the discussions we have about the cartoon Raphael being more like Spider-Man being more of a witty sarcastic Raphael you know and mm-hmm. it, and it seems like i mean at least from my perspective it seems like that almost got transposed onto Michelangelo a bit in this movie if you wanted to get all like you know psychological and nitpicky about it you know like he's the one kind of going you know making the kind of you know sarcastic remarks and everything, you know, like a chucker, eh? And like, like that, that kind of thing, you know? And, and, and I think 
Leo, like, there, there, there is that aspect where he suffers from, like, Cyclops movie syndrome, you know? It's like, because he's so, he's the one who's the most reverent to Splinter. And, and, and much like in an X-Men film, I mean, they have the same trajectories, like Splinter and, and Professor X, you know, they both have to get taken out of the movie early on because presumably, I mean, you know, Splinter doesn't have fucking Mindzog powers, but presumably they're equivalent, right? Like Splinter could solve all their problems if he was still in the picture. But you have, so the, the notion is any, any screenwriter worth their salt is like, oh, you know, Professor Xavier can just like tell all these people to go fuck off, you know? So it's like, let's take him out of the equation early on, which is what they do in the first X-Men movie. Right. And the same thing with this, they have to take Splinter out immediately because otherwise he would solve all their problems. But because Leo is so, you know, he, he is his father's, you know, son or best son or, or the good son or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like when, when Dick Grayson comes home to Gotham city, you know, it's like the prodigal son, like, like Leo is the prodigal son. Right. Like, so, so you, because of that, you know, the, the worry and the, the anticipation, I mean, a lot of that is, is like, they, they, they're worried, like, is he alive? Is he dead? You know, all that kind of stuff. So I, and, and I think because it's suit acting, you know, like that, that's another thing too, is why they probably had to be as over exaggerated as they were. So I bet you, you couldn't get, you know, at least with the Jim Henson outfits and the suit acting that you had, like, I bet you it, it's hard enough probably to act in those suits as it is without, it's like you imagine like, imagine you're in this big bulky suit, right? And somebody says, Oh, you have to subtly be worrying. Like, do you know what I mean? As opposed to what Leo was doing in that scene. So like, I, I can understand like what the limitations of what they had and what they had to do. Like, like I'm, I'm willing to, to cut it some slack, but like, that's, you know, I, I think that's fair. Like it's a justified, you know, like when you, when you, when you really kind of analyze it and get into it, like th- those aspects of it, I think I would probably just chalk up to like early installment weirdness. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. I still like this movie. Like beyond that, it's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, you know, in favorite comic book movies left alone, but movies in general. And I mean, I don't have a lot bad to say about it, really. Yeah, this is one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite comic book movies. And, you know, that buddy I told you about that I went to his grandmother's house and fell down the stairs. Like, I mentioned to him that we were doing the show, and I was like, you know, dude, do you want to feel old? Like, it's been almost 30 years since I fell down your grandmother's stairs. And he was just like, he just looked at me, and his eyes were wide, and he's like, oh, wow. It's like, he's like, I do feel old. Holy cow. Wise man say, never pay full price for late pizza. Ah, ah, ah. I made a funny. Like, I have always liked Kawabunga. <laughs> uh, one last thing I wanted to add. Um, in, in celebration today, well, it was complete coincidence, but I was like, oh, this is appropriate. Like, I went over to my folks' house, and my dad had gotten a Domino's pizza. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk about Ninja Turtles tonight. So, <laughs> one eighty. My, like, my, my dad was like, I don't get it. And I was like, they, they always have Domino's pizza in that movie. Like, Yep, Domino's is like, 
they needed to secure that that advertising contract. That was the kids. If they see the turtles eating their pizzas, they'll eat our pizzas. We have our pizzas in there. What was like one hundredth, the eighty eighth, and an eighth? Where the hell is one hundred eighty eighth and an eighth? Over here, dude. Yeah. So I guess I guess that will wrap things up for our coverage of the 30th anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're super happy to be talking about this on the Fan Holes podcast proper. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, there are plenty of other episodes of the Fan Holes proper podcast in the backlog over on, on, on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you're upset that, like, Casey Jones, like, forcibly moved April down so he could massage her and it's totally robbing her of her agency, you can send us angry emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets that we receive. And we are on all kinds of streaming services. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. So check us out there. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike Cowabunga. This is Justin saying Major League butt-kicking is back in town. <laughs> we were awesome! Bodacious! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, gnarly! Radical! <laughs> yeah! Totally uh, tubular, uh, dude! Uh, uh, wicked! Hell! Delicious! Mega! Always like Kawabunga. I made a money. Hey guys, give me three. Yeah, I, I knew I knew this 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 was big when I I I was, you know, a teenager when I saw this and then I was like walking around the the school park playground and I saw these little kids running around going, give me three. And they literally had like three, three <laughs> fingers, like giving each other like high fives, but with just three fingers. I knew, and then I knew I was like, Oh, holy shit. This is like bigger than, than I thought. I don't think we ever did that. I'm trying to think of what we, what me and my friends like used for weapons. Like, I don't think we had like any of the official things, but I think we, I probably like used a pair of wiffle bats for like Leonardo's swords or something. Like, <laughs> and you would think I would be Casey Jones cause I was using bats, but I, I wanted to be Leonardo. So like I had to use the swords. <laughs> I think for like Donatello's staff too, it's like my friend just had like a, like a, like an oar to a boat or something. So, <laughs> And then we used to like, you know, since we were kids, like it never occurred to us that we could do this. But we used to have like Lincoln logs and we'd be, man, if we just had a string, we could make like nunchucks or something. Back here live at the Waterfront Village with my friend, the zombie, Jonathan. You're looking good. Jonathan just got an awesome face paint job. What do you think? I like turtles. <laughs>